Welcome to another episode of Mac and Joe Talk on a Podcast. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another week. We are, as always, we are happy to be here and share this time with you. We appreciate you guys listening to us. Say hello, Joe. Hello, everyone, and thank you to all our new subscribers and old subscribers as well. Um, talked to a few people today, and they're going to be checking out the podcast, so thank you very much for your support, and uh, hope you enjoy it. Yeah, keep spreading the word, and, and if there's anything you guys want us to talk about or that we haven't touched on or anything, let us know. We're more than happy to do that as well. A um, couple films... This week that I saw, you and I saw a film together. We did. That you and I will discuss in a minute. We'll get a little bit into the nitty gritty about that. But if anyone's new to the show, um, we always know that I always start with a little bit of just box office kind of numbers and things like that. No surprise, the number one film domestically here in North America was Halloween. It's the Michael Myers kind of remake, not remake, redo, whatever you want to call it with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, had $77.5 million, which is pretty fantastic. You and I are not necessarily fans of the horror genre, um, but it certainly is a profitable genre to be in for studios, so it's not a surprise that they did that. Um, that the film did so well, and obviously we're pretty close to literally Halloween, so it makes sense. Um, internationally, if there was any inkling that venom was just a one weekend wonder i think you could take that back now it is crossed the 460 million dollar mark internationally it is doing fantastic business for the film that costs around 50 million dollars to make um sony is probably going full steam ahead with their spider-verse without spider-man however whatever universe you want to call that stars born continues to do tremendously well tremendously good business not just domestically but overseas it's now crossed the 200 million dollar mark uh, internationally as well, plus its domestic total. It continues to be, in some ways, I think, at this moment, especially with the disappointment of the first man, the box office, I think A Star is Born is kind of potentially the front runner right now for the Oscars, but there are still a whole two months to come out and then films. But I think if I had to choose a one film right now from this moment, I think A Star is Born would be. You still haven't been able to get to see that, Jeff, have you? Nope. Nope, and you're just not going to do it. I'm going to watch it eventually, but... Yeah. You're going to be that one guy that, that watches it wins Best Picture for the Oscar, and you're like, oh, now I should watch it. Yeah, probably. Probably. Cool. Um, do you want to get into Bad Times at the El Royale? Sure. Okay. Uh, you and I both saw this last night, so it's did. still it's pretty, very, still very pretty fresh. fresh. Yep. Um, do you want to just... I feel like I know what your overall opinion you is. You do know But do you want to let the... Let everyone else know what your overall opinion is. Give me just kind of um, an overall... Again, non-spoilers, but we want to just give, give me something that... Yeah. I, I, I have an interesting title that I came up for this movie. Um, not Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, I changed it up a little bit. Instead, it was Bad Times at the AMC. That's, that's what I should name this movie because it was a complete bad time for me. Um, it was very... It was... I mean, that's just my overall. I can get into details later. Um, I wrote down specific points as to sure. why. Sure, give, give me some specific points. Plot-wise um, or character-wise? The, the acting was solid. That was about the only highlight of the film. But it seems like every director um, since uh, Thor came out and Chris Helmsworth just can't help but take his shirt off so that all the ladies can ooh and ah. Um, it seems like that directors are just kind of like they're going all they're they're going all in on on Chris Hemsworth with his shirt off, and I don't know why. I mean, I mean, yes, he's a he's a very fit guy, but so was Hugh Jackman, and still they didn't like go overboard. Um, uh, it would be I, interesting to actually see you actually research all of Chris Hemsworth films to see how many films he actually takes his shirt off. In. Okay, it's just okay. the Marvel films and this. No, he took his shirt off in the stupid Ghostbusters movie too. Okay. I, I, fair enough. I don't, I don't. I'm not really sure how that. Why that's in any event. What in any you event, got from the entire. That's movie. that's what I got because the movie itself was pretty painful to watch. Um, it had it had so much potential to be very good, and I don't think it delivered. Um, 
Okay. I thought the plot was extremely weak. It was it was seven strangers kind of coming together. Spoiler, no spoilers. So I'm not going to reveal endings or anything like that, but I just wasn't that engrossed in the movie. It kind of had like a Quentin Tarantino feel to it, feel to it but it didn't have the, the synergy of a Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, it was long. It was drawn out. Um, like I said, it had so much potential to be a great film, um, a mystery, but I don't think it delivered. The acting I thought was on point. It, had, it was certainly filled with actors and actresses that, that were very good in their particular roles, but I didn't think the overall script was engrossing. Okay. Um, I couldn't wait till it was over. I saw that when you literally walked yeah, out and then yeah. just like kind of sulked. I like, literally I walked out the opposite to get, side of the I theater. walked out to get a drink. I came back in and I was literally sitting in the front row and I couldn't wait for it to be over at that point. Okay. But um, that was just I am... You're 100% am, opposite of me. I'm going to go... Which is fine. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I thought it was... Again... In a time where sequels and prequels and adaptations dominate the box office and things like that, this was a strikingly original film. It had a lot of different tones. I think there were a lot of deeper meanings. It's certainly not a perfect film for me. Uh, I walked out a little confused. I walked out excited to revisit the characters. I think it's one of the films, if you watch it a second or third time, you might be able to catch up on things you didn't get. It reminded me of kind of like the usual suspects in a sense, the way it was told, kind of go from character to character to character. Then you saw different things, you saw different flashbacks. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was, it was just interesting. It was a little long. It was, it was over two hours. Um, I, it's gotten decent reviews, I think, online um, from critics. 76% on So Rotten it's not, not, you know. Not a not a star is born or something like that in terms of critical darling, but I think for the most part it was appreciated. Um, I can see why it's struggling at the box office. It's a hard film to sell because it's not really you don't really know what type of film it is. It's you know horror film, drama, suspense. It's kind of a mixture. It's it's hard to classify. Um, you know, acting is great. The actors are there that are they're in it. Um, Chris Hemsworth, I think Joe may be overstating his presence. He's, he's more of a minor character in the film, but apparently Joe is just attracted to the abs. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, hear anybody else's thoughts. I thought it was, it's certainly not a film that I think will be around for Oscar time or anything like that. But I thought it was, uh, again, in a time where, especially on a, on a type of podcast like this where we talk about fanboy films and things like that, um, it was a strikingly original film. And I, I thought I appreciated the director's efforts and wanting to tell a different story. I think a deeper story, a deeper meaning story. Not every note hit for me personally, but I understood what the director and the vision was going for. I don't think there were there were a lot of moments where it kind of jarred you and it kind of made you jump out. Um, and I don't think the purpose of those moments was to just shake you. I think the purpose of those moments was to make you think and to make you... So it's about these these different characters that are all human, that are all from different parts of life, different walks of different walks of the world. So, anyways, Joe looks like he's about to shoot himself in the head. So yeah, we'll move on much. from this topic. Joe doesn't like um, good films; he's more into you know popcorn fare and stuff oh, okay, like that. Okay, okay, um, okay. But anyways, we'll move on. Um, I was able to see some other films this week as well. I saw a film called Colette which is the Keira Knightley-led film. It's an independent film. It's been in New York and L.A. for about a month. It's just opening up kind of nationwide at this point. It's been in, in the U.K., I think, because it's a U.K. film for a while. Really enjoyed it. Interesting story. Um, kind I'd, of, be, I'd be curious to hear if there's any movies that you actually don't enjoy. I mean, we've, besides, dis- we've besides, discussed movies besides, like literally every week. Of besides... The Happy Time Murders. That's the only movie that I've heard you ever say you, you should. You it. should subscribe to a podcast called okay, Mac and Joe okay. Listen to a Podcast. Okay, okay. Um, check it out. Um, interesting film, Colette. I'm not sure it's an it's an award contender. Kira Knightley might stick around to to be a part of that, but I think that might be it. Old Man and the Gun is another film I saw. It's just kind of getting nationwide release. It was okay. It was clever. Um, it's Robert Redford's probable retirement film in terms of the last film he ever acts in 
he's obviously charming and charismatic in the film. He is a old-time Hollywood movie star, kind of like a Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood kind of in that vein, um, kind of these living legends. Um, he might stick around, but as far as the film, I'm not sure it will stick around a lot. The one film that I really enjoyed this week, besides Bad Times at the El Royale, was Free Solo. It's a documentary. For anyone that doesn't know what free solo, free, what doing a free solo is, and I didn't know what this was until I saw the film, it means being a rock climber without the use of a harness or a, you know, safety, anything. Um, and so it, it kind of follows the story of this guy named Travis, who's a rock climber, uh, mountain climber, and kind of his expedition of this fabled rock in Tahoe that he's never conquered, no one's ever conquered conquered free soloing before because of how dangerous it is and basically one slip obviously when you're free soloing and that's yeah that's your death so the cinematography was brilliant um seeing him climb up this mountain seeing how the risk seeing just the sheer beauty of it um was was really interesting i really enjoyed it it's from national geographic so they've done kind of interesting things i was happy to see it on the big screen i think seeing it on you know, your TV or your iPad or your computer or something like that, it won't be the same experience. But um, that's kind of what I wrote with. I also wrote down My Dinner with Irv, which just got released on HBO, starring Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. Uh, it's on HBO Go now as well. Check it out if you have HBO. It's interesting. Um, it's an interesting film. Um, one piece of news that we're gonna then we're gonna jump into the regular podcast before G shoots himself from boredom. Um, Luke Cage. Last week we went over Iron Fist was canceled. Luke Fisk. Luke, Luke Cage got canceled as well. So second week in a row, Netflix has canceled a Marvel show. So does this mean that these? Again, we've talked about this. Does, the, does this mean that these characters will live on in Daredevil? Daredevil season three just dropped on Friday. Reviews have been really, really positive. Um, there's still no 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 news on Jessica Jones season three or Punisher season two. We'll see, could this potentially mean that some of these Marvel characters are fading out of Netflix and they're potentially going to the Disney streaming service? We don't really know. Um, Netflix kind of controls sense. the rights to those, but if they cancel them, certainly you would feel that legally, at least, Disney and Marvel can reuse them for their own purposes. I don't think there's going to be a Luke Cage or an Iron Fist film or anything like that, because I don't think the characters are that popular. But if they could do a streaming service show, maybe Heroes for Hire or something like that, um, that might be interesting. But we're going to move on now. Every week, every month, we do different recommendations, everything from film to books to TV shows. This is at this point of the month where we're going to do a film recommendation. We've decided on we're going to do one fanboy film and one classic film. Again, I'm going to preface this by saying a fanboy film could be considered anything from an intellectual property uh, a franchise, a comic book adaptation, you know, things like that. Um, certainly you could say a fanboy film could be a classic film or a classic film could be a fanboy film, um, but we just want to distinctualize and, and kind of say one one from one type of genre, one from another type of genre. Joe, I'm always interested to hear your picks, except for TV because you never pick anything. But for a film, you are, you're, you're into film, you're a film buff, you own a lot of films, so I'm interested, always interested to hear what you have to say. So go ahead and give me your fanboy film and give me your classic film, Joe. Um, my fanboy film is always kind of tough for me because I don't. I like to pick movies that I own, and I like to pick movies that I would recommend. So picking fanboy movies is is kind of a challenge for me because I don't have many of them. I don't own many of them in terms of the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. In terms of you know, like I. There are certain films that I enjoyed that I did buy that are that are that are comic book adaptations, but they aren't like stellar films that I would recommend someone sees that they haven't seen before. So this is a bit of a challenge for me to pick a fanboy planet or fan, fanboy movie. Um, I did pick one. Um, it is uh, the season. Uh, we're starting to get some sports back back into the mix. We have basketball. And hockey back We're at in the, the the sports equinox right now. Yeah, We're all four major sports. Yeah, North American yep. sports. Yep. Are, football, and so I chose to focus on hockey. And as as you may or may not know, um, we did have a hockey team that was named after the movie that I'm going to pick. 
Well, there's only one. So there's it's the only Mighty one, Ducks. the Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. That's your fanboy. That's my film. fanboy film. Yes. Wow, that is Emilio, Emilio Estevez's masterpiece. Okay. It's a it's a it's a great nostalgia. For future film recommendations, from... we are never going to do this subject ever again. Okay, fine. But go ahead. Fine, but uh, tell me, tell me why some if someone's never seen the Mighty Ducks, how would you sell it to them? It was it was one of those times. Um, okay, it's a very nostalgic film for me, considering okay. it's based off of hockey. Um, it tells it tells a really good story about how these kind of misfit kids um, overcome you know their differences to kind of bond together and 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 win a championship or something like that um Emilio Estevez plays the coach who's kind of it's kind of like a bad news bears on ice um type film um it was it was one of those movies that uh that I I that I enjoyed it came out in the 90s it was kind of like my heyday growing up you know teenage you know pre-teenage years yeah um, it was a lot of those uh, Disney movies that were live action. There were many of them, including um, I, I, I can think off the top of my head. There were like Angels in the Outfield, like Angels right? in Things the like Outfield, that. Cool Runnings. All those movies kind of came out in the early nineties, um, and I really enjoyed those films. They were very nostalgic for me. So this kind of holds a special place in my heart. Do you wish Disney would make more of those type of films versus remaking their live action? We talked Absolutely. a little bit about. Okay. Absolutely, they should make more original. So films. even if they're kind of these low budget type of stories kind of direct to video things you'd be more okay with that yeah. than seeing aladdin again on no i would i would prefer to see original films but we as we talked about last week um the remakes are a big hit at the box office people want sure. to see them people want to see maybe the they'll remake action. the mighty ducks at some point why why would they need to it's already a live action i don't get it i don't know i mean people they probably live won't action they probably won't Okay, but in any event, so Disney doesn't own the Mighty Ducks anymore, right? They sold it, right? I have no idea. Well, maybe I don't. I, I, I think I they it. sold I it. I think they sold the Angels too, right? Because they owned the Angels at one point, the Anaheim Angels. Oh, the Disney, yeah, yeah. But I think yes. I think yes. they've sold off. Their yeah, team, the so. city owns it's it's the Los Angeles Anaheim, the Los, Los Angeles, Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yeah. That's what they. Yeah, I don't seen. think Disney owns yeah. any sports teams. But right in now. any event, I thought that was cool. Um, that they named a, a pro hockey team after the movie, I and it starred all the kids that were in the film. Oh yes, yes. And, and they uh, then they went on to win the gold medal. Absolutely. I'm not talking about the sequels. I'm they, talking about the original. One. And then they in any won event, the high school. Can JV I continue? League or can something. I continue? Can I continue? You can do whatever you want. All right. Uh, we're gonna do your classic film now. All right. My classic film. What month are we in, Mac? Um, it's October. October. All right. So I thought I would pick a film that had the word October in it. This is The Hunt for Red October, which is a classic, classic submarine film. There's a new one coming out called Hunter Killer that looks kind of bad, to be honest. Um, it's Hunt for Red October is the Jack Ryan. The Hunt right? for October is the Jack Ryan. It stars Alec okay. Baldwin, James Earl Jones, Sean Connery, Sam Neill. It's based off of a Tom Clancy novel, which is, you know, you really can't um, go wrong with Tom Clancy novels being adapted to the big screen. Um, he's made there. There have been other movies made that are pretty intense um, in terms of war time activities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a very good movie. It's suspenseful. It is it is a little long. It's it, it was made in the '90s and it was over two hours long. And it was as I said, it was made in, it was made in the '90s and that was long for a '90s movie was to be about over two hours long. Um, has Sean Connery in it is playing the Russian, the Russian submarine captain, uh, along with his first mate, Sam Neill and Alec Baldwin plays, uh, obviously Jack Ryan, we mentioned who's trying to, um, I won't spoil the, the story for people who haven't seen it, but it's a really, really good, uh, submarine. And like I said, wartime film, um, did you – it came out in the 90s. So I remember watching it like on VHS or something like that. Did you Did you ever see it in theaters? Or I never saw it in theaters. That was okay. before – it was – That would have been a cool film to it see It would have been a cool film to see. It has good music obviously because it's like intense. Um, I, I think – I'm not – I don't think it's Hans Zimmer that – no, it's uh, – it's, uh, I forget who the person who scored the music for that movie. But it's pretty intense. Um, I didn't see it in the big screen because – and it's only rated PG thirteen. It's not rated R, so I mean, you can take the essentially you could take kids to see it. Um, but I didn't really 
expand my movie watching until I hit uh, 18 and I could go see the R-rated movies and stuff like by myself. Um, when I was a kid, my parents wouldn't really allow me to see many movies. So it's okay. It's why they rated R. Yeah, so but the, the, that that's my two movies: uh, okay. the Mighty Ducks, The Mighty Ducks, and The Hunt for Red October. Interesting. All right, let's let's hear yours. When you said October, I thought you were going to go Halloween. Um, but next month, or I next, don't, I next, don't week, have, next week, we'll actually do a Halloween. I actually thing. don't have, well, I do know Halloween movies, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend them. Okay. Maybe we'll do a nostalgic Halloween movie or TV show next that week. That would be We'll good. figure something that out. That would be good. Um, we'll figure that out next week. Uh, do you want me to give my fanboy one or my classic one first? Just give, it doesn't matter. Go whatever floats your boat. Sure. I'll do my classic film first. Um, I chose this one because we're kind of in the season. It's also the 25th anniversary this October is Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I know you love that movie. It's, yeah, I mean, it was a film that I watched 25 years ago when I was a kid, obviously, in theaters. It was one of my first really cinematic experiences that I truly, truly loved. I remember vividly, just like Jurassic Park and kind of early experiences, I vividly remember being in the theater watching it and seeing it unfold between my before my eyes loving it obviously it's it stayed alive for me i watch it i consider it more of a christmas film to be honest i always watch it every christmas but i know a lot of people consider it a halloween film it obviously veers into both halloween and christmas that's why it's nightmare before christmas kind of helped launch the career of tim burton um along with my classic film which is also a tim burton film i chose for my fanboy film i chose the original batman the 1989 batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. This is the first time Batman is actually portrayed on screen, on film. Um, before that, it was only the the, the outdated TV, TV series and things like this. Um, if you ever watch the older TV series, it's kind of very campy Batman humor where they kind of do the zings and the zows and they kind of have the weird music and the things like that. Da, na, 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 yeah, na, absolutely. Na, na, na. That's that. That was awesome. Um, which was fine. It was good for what it was and people enjoyed it. Um, this Batman really kind of changed the tone for what a comic book film could be and I think was one of the first original comic book films besides the original Supermans, obviously. And it kind of gave a much darker deeper tone to to what a character could actually like batman be on screen and be commercially successful um and that again along with like beetlejuice and things like that and um edward scissorhands that really launched tim burton's career so that's why i chose that and it's also set around halloween is the original batman film so that's why i chose that as well um but that's that those are our recommendations like them love them don't agree with them that's fine um we'd always love to hear what you guys are what you guys recommend and Anything like that, we'd love to hear. Ready to move on? Yep, let's do it. Um, Not a whole lot of news this week. I'm going to jam-pack next week with news and things like that. This is going to be more of a discussion or reaction topic. Uh, Chris Evans came out maybe about a week or so, a week and a half ago or so. They've been doing um, reshoots and pickup shooting on Avengers 4, um, which will still come out next May. He dropped a tweet right after he was done. Do you want to read the tweet, Joe? Sure, I'll read it. Okay. Um, So this is after he had finished filming. Yeah, he says, Officially wrapped up on Avengers 4. It was an emotional day to say the least. Playing this role over the last eight years has been an honor to everyone in front of the camera, behind the camera, and in the audience. Thank you for the memories. Eternally grateful. So that obviously, you can read a lot into that. You can guess a lot into that. Um, and that obviously in that, in a world where social media and Twitter and have taken over, um, a lot of new sites and publications and podcasts like ours have picked up on that and have speculated about what that means. A couple of days ago, obviously he's been kind of backtracking to a certain extent. Um, we don't know if this is him backtracking if this is Disney Marvel telling him to backtrack. Um, so he released another tweet. Do you want to read that one, Joe? Um, I mean, it's kind of long. I mean, we can just say that he backtracked in terms of... Okay, fine, I'll read it. I should clarify that I didn't that I did know I did tweet something that made a lot of people think it was in some way a spoiler. I should clarify that regardless of how Avengers 4 ends, I would have tweeted the exact same thing. That last day of filming was a very emotional day, and it was the culmination of almost 10 years of filming and 22 movies, this unbelievable tapestry. 
You feel a lot more emotions than I think than I think even I thought I'd feel. And I felt it was appropriate to share the gratitude. I know it had a ripple effect, but I'm neither confirming or nor denying anything. Okay, so go ahead and give me your reaction to the first tweet that he um, sent out after filming. My, I wrote one word down, whoops. Um, okay. Because, I mean, he said what he said. I'm not denying, I'm not denying his sincerity. I am not saying that what he wrote um, wasn't valid or that, it, or that he wasn't trying. I don't think his intent was to spoil the movie, but in some sense, by kind of saying that it's an emotional day, leads one to suspect and to... Uh, you know, to kind of speculate that his character is going to be killed off Mm -hmm. in the movie. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't think you have any idea what's going to happen. No. But when somebody puts a tweet like this, it's really kind of difficult not to suspect that that will happen. Okay. I know you've hinted at that. Um, You've hinted before that some of the characters are going to have to sacrifice themselves. Um, You kind of, that was your kind of, uh, my view on it. Your view on what was going to happen in the next Avengers film. Um, I don't think this quote does anything to dissuade that belief. The um, follow-up or the yeah. first one? Well, both. Okay. I mean, he says, he says, he, st- he still says some things in the second one that um, the last day of um, the last day of filming was an emotional day. This wouldn't be the last day of filming if your character was still in it, buddy. Well, I mean, you know, I in, mean, in theory, they filmed Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers Four back to back, so it's been almost a year and a half of filming. You know, it's kind of like filming like Lord of the Rings, where they filmed it like back to back to back. Like it's, I know, it's but exhausting. I'm just saying, no, I know that. I'm just saying, like this is it was an emotional day. It was a culmination, this unbelievable tapestry. Um, you wouldn't say the tapestry, you wouldn't be making this quote, either quote, if your tapestry wasn't complete. Okay. I don't feel, I feel that by doing this, he kind of, he did spoil the ending of the movie somewhat. Um, I will be surprised if, if his character is still alive. Mm-hmm. I would be very, very surprised if his character is still alive at the end of Avengers 4. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as I said... I don't, I mean, both of these quotes, the first quote was much more so like, uh, why did you say that? Like you really kind of spoiled the movie. Um, and then the second quote, yes, we don't really know his reasons for doing that. Whether it was the corporate people who said you need to backtrack or, you know, his agents or whatever, Mm -hmm. or maybe he just had a change of heart and realized that he, what he said, um, you know, maybe he had the wherewithal to kind of backtrack on his statement. But what's done is done. I mean, right. you can't unsay what you already said. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, I mean, if he if he had not made such emotional claim, if he had not stated such emotion was in it and made it seem like it was his last Avengers film, you know, if he just showed a picture of like him like on set or something like, not on set, but like, you know, some characters, they show pictures they, they, they tweet pictures of themselves in costume or something like that. Sure. Ra- you know, wrapping up Avengers 4, everyone. You know, but instead he made it an emotional thing. You know, you wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, an, I mean, I, I, I again, I, I find it very hard to believe that it would be so such an emotional thing if, his, if he wasn't doing any more movies. Okay. So, but that's just my opinion. No, that's, that makes sense. I, I have long stated, um, even on this show, I've... I've yeah. I've felt that there will be permanent deaths in the next film. Um, I, I do think that a lot of the older generation of Avengers phase one will, yeah, will will phase out the original Avenger. No pun will, intended. Will phase out. No, no pun intended. Um, and I do think you've seen a a lot of new characters that will kind of take over that mantle. We've talked about Black Panther and Doctor Strange and Spider Man and things like that. Um, you know he's been in six films. This will be a seventh. Cap- this will be a seventh film where he's Captain America. You know, are we going to keep going to the same well and seeing Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man again and again? He, you know, it's we we don't know. Um, does this mean that his character dies? Does it mean that his character sacrifices himself, or does this mean that his character is just done after this film? We don't really know. 
Um, he talked about the culmination of 10 years of filming and 22 movies. You know, obviously he wasn't in 22 movies, but when you're in seven films of, in 10 years, especially these kind of large, big budget type of films, it's, you know, you're talking six months to eight months at a time and you're not, you know, this is a huge part of his life. And so if it actually is the final, final, final film, then obviously he would be, put, you know, be emotional about it and be, you know, grateful for the opportunity and things like that. I'm sure it's made him richer beyond his imagination, but, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could be people have speculated that the first tweet is a, you know, a ghost and it's a veer and you're trying to get people off kilter and trying to make people discuss. And again, it's October. Infinity War just came out on Blu-ray a month ago or so ago. And the film that people are still talking about the most for next year is Avengers 4. Somehow Disney keeps getting news out or little leaks out or little things like that out. People keep talking about the film. And that's what Disney wants. I'm not even sure Disney or Marvel is mad that this stuff is coming out because it's getting people like us to talk about it and keep it in the news cycle Um, because they are obviously going to push incredibly hard for Avengers 4 to be the biggest film of the year, bigger than Infinity War. Um, So we'll see. I I don't know. I don't know if I have another opinion on that. I thought they were interesting quotes, though, and it it makes for good discussion, and it makes for good... Um, if you had to pick an Avenger or two... To sacrifice? Sacrifice, or maybe someone that you would be okay with, you know, not seeing in future films. Maybe he, doesn't have to, he or she doesn't have to die a gruesome death, but you're just like, eh, you know, I, I've seen your story, or maybe your character's not that interesting, or... I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be tough. It, that would be a tough decision for me to choose one. Sure. Because I'm I'm more connected to the newer, to the phase one characters than I am the future characters. Okay. Because I think those were the original ones before this like plan came to be. And before so you're talking about like Iron Man, Cap, yeah, Iron Man, Cap, yes. Well, not necessarily Hulk because he really didn't have his own movie with with uh, with Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Okay, Um, but you're a huge Hawkeye fan, though. So I'm a huge Hawkeye fan. He's an original Avenger. He's well, anyway. He's like he's still on vacation or whatever he's on. We don't know what he's doing. Whatever. Maybe he got snapped. We don't know. Anyway, anyway. no, it would be hard for me to choose just one character. Like I said, I, I, I kind of have a more of an emotional attachment to like the Iron Man and the Captain America and the Thor simply because those were like the original films before this kind of – it blew up. Before it blew up into the into the behemoth that it's become. Yeah. Um, and now they're just kind of churning out new films literally like every six months, you know, less. They've said two to three films a year yeah. at this point. So, I mean, those were the original ones, I think, before they had this plan. Um, maybe they did. Um, I, you know, like I said, now it seems like every movie has a stinger. Every movie, every movie has a cliffhanger. Every movie has, you know, so you can create new superheroes. So, I mean, I, I would be sad if if uh, Iron Man and Captain America and Thor, you know, kick the bucket, but do you think it would make sense as to as to why they would do that? So I think a lot of people view it as you know not not a TV show in terms of quality, but a TV show in the sense of each of these are now episodes, and they're so ingrained as an episode, knowing that the next episode's coming four months down the line. Do you think Marvel needs to have an endpoint in sight? Do you think they need to? I think that would kill the golden goose if they did that. Okay, so I don't think they're ever going to end it, but I don't know where it would go after. You think at some point there will be superhero fatigue, or no? I I, I, I have superhero fatigue. Okay, I mean, me personally, yes. I mean, you know how I felt about Ant Man and the Wasp, but I didn't. I. And that was a new character. That was a female character, and we need more female. I mean, Captain Marvel looks cool, but after that, it's just going to be like, I don't know what else they can do. I mean, the bar has been set so high at this right. point. Infinity War was Infinity pretty epic. Infinity War was, was extremely epic. I mean, 
like we talked about when, when, when our, on our first couple of podcasts, it was a culmination of 10 years plus or whatever yeah. it was in the making. I mean, I don't know where you go from there, honestly. I really don't. And I, I mean... I like the idea of what they've been doing. I think they've been adding new characters knowing that, you know, I'm not sure that I love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I'm not sure I want to see Iron Man 4 or Iron Man 5 or no, Iron Man either. 6. Like having new characters like Black Panther or Doctor Strange where these characters – where you can introduce these characters and learn about these characters. And obviously everyone knows me knows I'm huge on Spider-Man. So I'm excited to see Spider-Man and take new adventures and things like that. Um, who knows? Um, maybe they'll just kill off the Guardians of the Galaxy and just be done with it and just say, don't worry about Guardians 3. Who have any, Who has any idea? Um, obviously, the countdown is still on. We're talking early May next year for Avengers 4. I still expect there to be some sort of teaser trailer or something to drop maybe around Christmas. Probably with Mary Poppins, just because that makes sense with Disney attaching it to that. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on Mary Poppins. And that will maybe even get some more people in to see Mary Poppins as well. But we'll see. Obviously, next week I'll have a little bit more on some some Marvel news, some DC film news, and I'll also have an article on Fanboy Planet next week about the DC nice about DC films coming up as well. Um, we've talked a lot about streaming services and about how they are taking over the world, how streaming services are all the rage, and how this is the future of television. Um, A note that I did write down is Warner's has decided to start their own streaming service as well, which is not Warner Brothers, Brothers. uh, which is not a surprise. I will say they just did the DC streaming service, so I don't know. Are they going to bundle that package? Because a lot of what you, a lot of what I would want from a Warner streaming service would be DC as well. So you know, I don't know. Maybe they'll bundle the package. Warner's. Other biggest property is probably Harry Potter, but they have another number of other films, Lord of the Rings and things like that, where they can obviously attach. And they have a bunch of TV shows. But again, I, I've read some articles on the Warner streaming service because when you and I went on the Warner's tour, they they produce a lot of the films in Warner Brothers, but they're licensed out to other companies, like other television studios or things like that, like ABC or... NBC or things like that. So a lot of the licenses, like Friends, is licensed around the world for various reasons. So, you know, I don't know how difficult it would be to get those licenses back or when they expire or anything like that. But I know that's another streaming service that Joe is excited to sign up for, oh, yes. is the Warner Brothers streaming service. One serv- one streaming service that he, he might sign up for, but he might not even have to pay for <laughs> We t- mentioned this yeah, last we week. Did mention it last is week. the Apple streaming service? This yeah. is kind of one of the ones that's kind of maybe gone under the radar. But again, I don't. Um, slowly building up. Slowly steam. building. We're looking at a 2019 date at some point. I will say that Netflix spends a bunch, a bunch of money on original shows and original content. No one will be able to outspend Apple simply from a. From a financial business perspective, Apple can outspend everybody. They are, if not one of the most profitable companies in the world. So the fact that they are going in with this, I mean, there was talk at one point that Apple was just going to buy Netflix (laughs) or they were just going to buy Disney or something like that. Um, They've obviously gone another way and, and started to do some of their own stuff. I wrote down a bunch, a bunch of shows that they're in development. Yeah. Again, this is like top, top level talent. And again, probably a lot of it is because they're, they're just paying for it. Um, of all the shows I wrote down, are there any, any that jump out at you that you're like, mm, that sounds interesting. I'm not going to read, you know, 15 yeah, there's, shows. Yeah, there's 12 um, 15 different shows that you'd written down. And there's even more online. Yeah. So I just wrote down um, a handful of them. There's there's a couple of stuff to me. Um, obviously, the we just saw First Man, and I did enjoy the movie Whiplash. I haven't seen La La Land, but mm-hmm. I am kind of a quasi fan of Damien uh, Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. Okay. So there isn't much in the way of uh, internet stories about what the series his series is going to be. Yeah. Um, that one's unknown. I could, yeah, I couldn't find much about that in terms of researching that, but that does sound interesting to me. Um, 
that they got top level talent. Yeah, like a that. few, a few other, a few other the TV shows that sound kind of interesting. Um, Amazing Stories by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like Outer Limits. You know, science. did you ever watch the original? I didn't. It was, okay, it was, I've never had either, yeah, but I know it's been on replay and things like that. Uh, I've never no. seen it though. Yeah, I've never seen it, but it sounds kind of interesting, um, like a kind of Twilight Zone type thing, which you know. Like anthology, right? Yeah. Like it's not really exactly. a long, continuous story. No, no. Just like 30-minute little snippets. Um, okay. The M. Night Shyamalan series. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of psychological thrillers. and He's on the rebound right now. Yeah, so he is. He really he's is. kind of a hot property, hot he's, name. Exactly. So. And then the last one that I wrote down because I read the book was the TV show Defending Jacob. Okay. Um, I do own the book. I read it. It was an interesting book. Um, I won't spoil the ending or anything like that, but it stars Chris Evans as an, as a district attorney, I guess. And his son is convict is, is, uh, he is suspected to have killed somebody. His 14 year old son. Who's teenage. Yeah. Who a teenage son who apparently allegedly kills some other boy. So that's kind of interesting. So it definitely has a beginning, middle, and end. Like oh, it's yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. So and this is a TV show. So I don't maybe maybe it might be a one-off, like a limited series. Maybe. Um, I know it's directed by Mark Baumbach. Okay. So he's involved with Planet of the Apes, all the remakes of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Um, so, you know, having him at the range sounds like it would be interesting drama. Um, those are the only ones that I wrote down. I mean, there's some by like Reese Witherspoon talking about a drama, drama, talking about a drama talk show. I mean, right. there's like Oprah Winfrey. It's like a Nicole Kidman one yeah. or something like that. Yeah, there's so many. But those are the ones that stood out to me. I'm a huge fan of psychological psychological thrillers and I'm a big fan of kind of dramas. Um, okay. So cool. those kind of stood out to me. And we don't really know much about the Damien Chazelle series. So we'll or the see. Shyamalan series. Or, right? Besides, yeah. it's a psychological thrill. Yeah. I just wrote 10 episodes psychological thriller. That's yeah. all I, yeah. I have. But that maybe that's not a surprise because he'll keep it under wraps and exactly. it'll be a fresh feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I, did, I did mark Defending Jacob. Um, I, I haven't read the book. But I, I, I am a Chris Evans fan, and what I've read about the book in terms of it's really well received. Um, Apple paid a, a nice chunk of money for the film, for the property, with Chris Evans to star and produce. I, I marked Little America, which is from creators Kamal Nanjani and Emily Gordon. I was a huge fan of the film The Big Sick. I thought that was one of the more underrated films of last year. Uh, I marked down C S E E. Which is a, according to what I have, it's a sci-fi drama set in the future where humans are born blind. Written by Stephen Knight, who has some film credits and will be directed and produced by Francis Lawrence. And it will star Aquaman himself, Jason Momoa. So that sounds interesting. And I also marked down Central Park, which it will be an animated musical comedy from the creators of Bob Burgers. Um, I, I knew you would write that. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love Bob Burger, Bob's Burgers, the show. Um, and it has people like Josh Gad, David Diggs, Jane, Krak- Jane Krakowski's in it. Um, so I marked those down. There's a bunch of, of, of series out there. Again, some of these could be premiering when the series comes on. Some of these could be premiering two years later. We have no idea. Um, you know, this we've talked about this streaming service phenomenon. And, you know, I was looking at, at our cable bill and looking at the cable shows that I watch. And I feel, you know, just kind of going down. I don't think I've been hooked on a new cable show. syndicated shows. Yeah. I haven't been, I haven't watched a new cable show, like a new cable show series, probably in two to three years. Like the only new shows would be like HBO or like Showtime or something like that. You know, regular cable like CW, ABC, NBC that I haven't, you know, subscribed to any, all the shows that I watch now are shows that have been on four or five years i haven't gotten invested in new shows because a lot of the new shows that interest me are on streaming services like netflix or amazon prime or hbo go or things like that and i don't see that changing so yeah i don't know interesting stuff and i we, think a lot of people we, men- we are i was gonna say we already mentioned award season for the emmys yeah you've mentioned that uh what was it? It was the only two awards. Only two awards went to went traditional. To, went to traditional uh, broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 
It's crazy. So, I mean, again, I we read the news. I read the news about Warners, and I was like, really? We're going to do another one? Yeah. But – See, you have you, you have streaming service it, fatigue too. It may, I mean, I part of it is <laughs> I just – you know, I mean, do you think there's a point where – again, because not everyone's going to buy six or seven streaming services. So – I have no idea. It might be – like as, as you just mentioned, the cable bill may, it might be more expensive – to pay for cable than it will be to buy out to bet to pay for these. Right. Services. I mean, do you think that um, at some point maybe there will be a bundle? You know, people can buy a bundle. Like maybe with Disney, you can get the Disney service plus Hulu plus whatever. I, I don't know. Plus ESPN maybe. plus. I don't maybe. know. I mean, I just. You I'm know. not sure. I'm not sure. I wouldn't buy it. To, to, to be honest, I'm not sure that those companies would be willing to be bundled in that way. Okay. Um, Simply because they're all—it sounds like they're competing with each other for subscriptions. Sure, you know that's their end game. So I would be—I would be kind of surprised if if they if they allow themselves to be bundled mm-hmm. for a discount. That would be very surprising to me. I would find it hard for myself to buy six or seven subscriptions. Yeah, yeah, but I would yes, I would find it hard to buy a subscription service or a streaming service without original content. I see. Like if Warner's just said, Hey, we have a film library and we have all these classic shows like ER and friends and all these things. I don't, I don't want to see ER and friends. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the big bang theory. Like I want to see new shows. I own classic Warner brothers films. The films I want to see, I own Harry Potter. I own Lord of the Rings. I don't want, I'm not going to put that on and buy the streaming service for those films. Yeah. Um, so again, what Netflix is doing has been doing and, and obviously what Apple's doing, we just went over this, it's original content. That's what's going to draw people yeah. to their yeah. services. It's not just going to be classic things. So I think Disney does have that advantage in the sense of, yes, their library is considered classic with everything they have, all but the brands people, they have. But are people going to actually buy the subscriptions for their classic content? Yeah, I mean, I don't know because a lot of that content is already previously owned by people. So that's why they are making a big push to do original series as well. I think Disney recognizes that, yeah, our library is arguably, potentially, whatever you want to say. I'm not going to say it's better than everyone else's. But it has a huge draw, especially for families and things like that when you're going to do kid-friendly content, um, family-friendly content. But they're also going to say, hey, we're going to do a Star Wars series and we're going to do Marvel series and we're going to do Pixar series and all these things that, yes, plus you get Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and all these things. So we'll see. Um, I'm sure every week there will be new streaming service news coming out and we'll get to that. But interesting topic. If there's an Apple show that you guys um, are interested in, if, if we missed one, maybe People think that we have the worst Apple shows and there's a better show out there. Let us know. And we'll we'll go over that and, and we'll see what we have. Last but not least, we'll always end with theme parks as well. Next week I'll have a little bit more on theme parks. But I did want to follow up with what we had talked about last week. A couple attractions, obviously, in Galaxy's Edge. Joe's gonna Joe did some research for us this week and he's yeah. gonna give us the details on those attract both attractions or just the one? Well, as, as I as I mentioned to you before we we, we recorded, um, I couldn't find much on the Star Destroyer ride. Um, okay, but that's the one you think is that's the like one I Transformers. Think, that's right? the one I think is similar to like the Transformers ride at Universal Studios. Um, that was what I had read in one of the articles that you that we read last week for the LA Times regarding the uh, conflict between Disney and the city of Anaheim there was one of there was one of the articles um, you know that was posted re- that related to that topic that had mentioned about the uh, the star destroyer ride um, uh-huh. but I couldn't find much about the details and there's not much on the website Disney Disneyland website in terms of what that ride will be okay there is more information on the Millennium Falcon ride and we did kind of mention this about a month ago about um, the testing problems that they've been having but um, it looks like they're going full steam ahead with that original layout um, it's going to be like a six or seven person ride. Mm-hmm. Um, in a group and you're going to be riding the Millennium Falcon 
And there's going to be literally like 200 knobs, buttons, and switches, like an airplane, basically. They're like the Millennium Falcon. Well, right. I know, but I'm saying like and like and you go in an airplane. There's like all these switches that actually do something, right? Like this, it's going to be like a real life simulator of the Millennium Falcon, which is uh-huh. going to be kind of nuts. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, and then we also mentioned that people were going to respond to how well or poorly you did on your flight. There's going to be a couple different um, missions that you can go on, like two or three different missions. I read. Um, there's a character in it that's from the, uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars that's in it that's kind of heading the missions. Okay. Um, I didn't write his name down. It starts with an H. I mean, you might not know. Hondo or something like that. Okay. Hondo is a character. Yeah, Maybe Hondo. Hondo. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hondo. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's the character that's going to be kind of guiding you on your journey of, or whatnot. But um, we did kind of mention, as I mentioned before, uh, about the problems with this type of ride is, you know, you could get into a group of people who you may have communication issues with and your ride could go extremely poorly. And, you know, your entire experience in Galaxy's Edge is going to be as a result, is going to be, um, you know, as a result of how well or poorly you do on your Millennium Falcon and your Star Destroyer rides. So when you say your experience, so, does so that experience, mean? So, so let's say, so let's say, let's say I, me and you go on the ride and we're with like four and we're with like four or five, like 10 year olds, let's just say hypothetically. Sure. And they're all going crazy pushing buttons and they crash us and they, and the, and the ride lasts five minutes or however long it lasts. I have no idea. Um, well, as soon as we walk out the ride, there will be people, um, res- there will be cast members in, in Galaxy's Edge that will respond and will approach us based on how well or how bad our flight went. And like, for instance, like so, some, some, some of the details, I guess, regarding this ride are like um, if you do, if you crash the Millennium Falcon or you don't like do what you're supposed to do, then bounty hunters are supposed to come like hunt you down. So like you could be waiting in line and get in at the cantina, getting a drink. And then like Boba Fett could come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, I got you or something. Or where's my Millennium Falcon or something like that. Okay. Like I, that, that was kind of the impression that I got. Yeah. It's um, going to be a, a unique yes. kind of never experienced exactly. land before. Exactly. Uh, so like everything, everything and every place you go in galaxy's edge museums or whatever, or different, different um, shops displays or, shops, they're going to be greeting you with your name that you create or whatnot on the Millennium Falcon. And you're, you know, obviously you're going to have different roles. You can have like an engineer, or you can have like a fighter. You can, you can have a person shooting the blasters. So um, you just don't go on the ride. Like, no, it's, it's it's a super interactive thing. Like, I mean, I don't know the exact detail. Like, in terms of, I I found different websites had different um, layouts as to actually what goes on during the ride. But I right. know that it's going to be like you choose a role as you're sitting in the cockpit and then it's, it's like a 3d simulator, like star tours type thing. Okay. Um, but there's my, gonna, my question. Sorry, my follow-up, no, 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 that's fine. My follow up question is you're just like in Disneyland. You're like, Oh my God, it's a four hour wait for this ride. Yeah. And you're just like, I, there's no fast passes. They're all sold out by yeah. 10. You just want to walk around galaxy's edge. You just don't get the experience that everyone oh, else gets. I don't know. That's a really good, that's a really good question. Know. That's a really good question. Um, okay. you might not get that experience in terms of the interaction with the castmates. And the other ride is um, the star destroyer ride. And that's yeah. more of just like a sit kind yeah, of a regular I ride. I think so. Like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't find much details in the way of that. There isn't much on the website. No. They have like a picture of like a, of like a, uh, it's like the first order ride or something. Yeah, like it's that, like it's, it's like the battle battle flight or something like that, or okay. battle battle yeah battle flight or something. Okay. There's like a there's like a hangar. They show pictures of a hangar in like a star destroyer on the website on the Disneyland website. So they're really kind of keeping that close to the vest. So okay. I'm not too sure exactly what that, but I do know that they're going ahead and building the Millennium Falcon ride. So despite all the hiccups that they've been having and the setbacks or you know from the testing i guess they had in arizona or wherever it was 
they're still going to go ahead and build this ride. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. It sounds really interactive, but it also, excuse me, sounds like it could be very frustrating too. Um, Yeah. So we'll have to see how it works out. I mean, obviously, if you have a family of six or, you know, a little bit more than that and you have everyone piled in the Millennium Falcon and you can all get along and do your part, I'm sure it will be a very immersive and rewarding experience. But for people who, like you and I, will just have two of us, will be with complete strangers, you know, who knows? Maybe after a few drinks in Cantina, there may be fights breaking out. I don't know. I remember <laughs> when, when we when we initially, we didn't break the story. No. But we, but had, we, we had talked about it. it. Um, in the early testing phases, when when it was groups of six that had come in, yeah. it was really positive. People really liked it. It's when people were split up from their friends or they came in groups of two, that's when they were having problems. Yeah. Especially because if you have, if say it's six seats, I don't know. That's what I remember from the concept yeah, yeah. art. So you have a group of two and then you oh. have a group of three and then you have, you know, I don't know, a solo rider or something or not, not, not to make a pun or anything like that, like a solo rider. Um, you know, I mean, we don't know how you choose these things. It's interesting to see how, how it'll go. The logistics of it. Yeah. Um, um, one, do you have anything else you want to add? No, no, go ahead. Come um, on. There was one last thing I wanted to add regarding the ride. Um, if you haven't purchased uh, a Star Wars, a solo story, have you, the Blu-ray? I have not yet, no. Were you planning on doing that? Yeah, there's a preview on there, right? There's a preview of the ride, a 13-minute feature, bonus feature on the Blu-ray edition. Awesome. So that'll be something that we should definitely check check out out when it comes out. I'm sure it it might even be on YouTube now. I have no idea. I didn't didn't look. But in any event. And my birthday's coming up, so, you know. There you go. All right, there you go. There you go. Um, Cool. No, thank you for that, Joe. Um, I will... um, you know, Galaxy's Edge is for Disneyland is summer Looks 2019. Epic. Looks epic. Um, there are some 3D images, um, kind of three, not 3D, excuse me, 360 images online of the construction. Yes, it's huge. It it's looks like epic. The mille- yeah, it's and all this incredible. Stuff. You can only really see little snippets when you're in Disneyland. Life size um, X wings and Tie fighters. Yeah, and, it's it's going to be awesome. Yeah, um, I'm stoked that Disneyland will be opening it in summer of 2019. I highly doubt that I will go to summer 2019. Um, but uh, again, I think you and I both plan on going to D23 next year. So August might be the first time that we go. But again, D23 is literally crazy in Disneyland because yeah. there's so many people. But we'll see. Um, anything else whenever Joe and I watch that piece? Or I'll follow up with some Disney news property next week. News properties next week um we'll follow up with that story as well if there's anything we missed again please let us know and joe that'll be your kind of reoccurring assignment if there's any other news that drops about that uh, a couple other things downtown disney uh this was in construction when you and i were there but salt and straw has officially opened in downtown disney i don't know anything about it so i basically just copy and pasted the ta- the tagline from the disney parks blog it's a portland-based ice cream company which ice cream Offering Portland, Portland, Oregon? Yes. Okay. Um, handmade in small batches using local, organic, and sustainable ingredients. Monthly special showcase flavors rooted in seasonality. Guests can enjoy scoops on handmade waffle cones with fudge and rainbow sprinkles, as well as pick up pints. That should be pints, not pins. And cones to go. Um, so another place to get diabetes in downtown Disney. <laughs> so what is there now? There's... Uh, there's, Mar- the there's, there's Marceline's. Marceline's, yeah. And there's Haagen-Dazs. Yeah. Then there's the place that we just the went to, place. the cupcake place. Yeah. There's another sweets place. Yeah. And then there's this. So there's <laughs> at least five places. Yeah. Um, so Not shy on the sweets. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of sugar. Um, yeah, and still to open in downtown Disney. We mentioned this before, but. Um, the reimagining of the World of Disney Store, they've been on construction on that for a while. They're hoping that will be open by early November, again, because they would want to get that opening ideally before Thanksgiving, again, for Christmas shopping and things like that. That makes sense. It's a massive, massive store in general, mm-hmm. but the reimagining is supposed to be even more massive and updated and unique and new. So that should be cool. There's also the opening of Ballast Point. Which you've mentioned before, yeah. Um, which you think will be a big hit. I think downs- will be a huge downtown hit. Disney. Okay. I think a lot of people, especially a lot of well, a lot of my friends that I know, they love IPAs, so mm-hmm. they love Ballast Point. 
and again, we ESPN Zone is no longer yeah. there, so maybe that fills a void yeah. of that type of food. But also, there's Black Tap Craft Burgers and Shakes, and that's a a pretty. Um, I've never been there, but it's a pretty successful. Um, I don't want to say franchise, but it's a pretty successful uh, business that's been around for a couple different locations. So I think both of those sound interesting. Um, I'm excited to try both of those at some point. And of mm-hmm. course, I think just for research purposes, we'll probably have to try salt and straw <laughs> just, just to say, just so we're doing our due diligence. Yes. Um, I don't want to, don't want to leave any stone unturned, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, next week I mentioned a little bit before we'll have, a, we'll have a November week. film preview next week. We'll have a DC Marvel film update. Um, there's also a bunch of little random Disney parks news, not just Disneyland, but Disney World, Disney Paris, and things like that. Um, we've got some good stuff next week, so I'm excited yep. about that. Me too. Um, we'll do a little Halloween preview as well. And as always, like, comment, share, subscribe, rate, review. Um, you know, if you like the show, just put it on repeat and just keep playing it. <laughs> Even if you're not actually listening, just put it on repeat. When you go out to work, just put it on repeat, keep it going. Um, and we appreciate all of you listening as well. It means the world to us. Yeah. Thanks, um, guys. Thanks so much. Have a good week. Yep, you too.